You're listening to Bible Truth Feed, a podcast by Christadelphianvideo.org for Christadelphians and all those seeking the truth about the Bible message. Join us now as we present our latest episode. Try and imagine yourself to be 3,000 miles to the east of here, and maybe south a bit, to take ourselves to the Middle East and also 3,000 years back in time. For if we lived back then, there was a mighty kingdom which existed, which we would be able to go to and we could walk around. We could go to the capital city, we could walk through the markets, we could see the vibrant colors, we could smell the spices, we could hear the bartering. This kingdom which existed was a kingdom of great prosperity, with silver and gold aplenty. A kingdom at a time of unusual peace, great peace. And if you were permitted to, you could enter into the palace and you could see the great table laid out with all of its meat, all of that food and drink. You could see the servants, the attendants, finally apparelled as they come carrying the cupbearers with cups of gold. And if you were really permitted and could enter into the throne room, you could go in and what you'd find is the six steps And on either side of each step is a lion, a lion statue. And at the top of these steps is the great throne. And upon the throne is the king, a king who is famed for his wisdom so that people would come from afar to hear the wisdom of this great king. And yet what's particularly remarkable about this kingdom is not the great prosperity or the great peace or even the wisdom of the king, but that this king is sitting upon the throne of the kingdom of God. What we find is that the kingdom of God is something which very much existed once in the past. And so if you can come with me to 1 Chronicles 28 and verse 5, please. The father of the, the king we were just imagining, whose name is Solomon, and his father is now speaking and he says this in just one verse, in First Chronicles 28, verse 5. He says, Of all my sons, for the Lord, or Yahweh, hath given me many sons, he hath chosen Solomon, my son, to sit upon the throne of the kingdom of the Lord, or the kingdom of Yahweh, over Israel. And so what we find here in this passage is we're talking about the kingdom of the Lord. And the original Hebrew is the kingdom of Yahweh, which is the name of the God of the Bible. And so this is the kingdom of God. And Solomon, then, is sitting on the throne of the kingdom of God. And so the kingdom of God is something very substantial. If you were there, if you lived in that time, you could go, you could see it, you could be a part of it. It's something very real, very tangible, that once existed upon this earth, as we say around 3,000 years ago, over in the Middle East. And so that's the kingdom of God in the past. But if we were to go to Israel today, we'd find that still there is remarkably a nation of Israel. And yet there's no kingdom there. Things have changed. Well, when we now move to around 2000 years ago, when the New Testament opens and the Lord Jesus Christ, God's son, is sent. What we find is that the New Testament is full of the kingdom of God. In fact, I think the exact phrase occurs 70 times in the New Testament. And so we're reading again and again and again about the kingdom of God. And when the Lord Jesus Christ came, he's introduced in the record, in the Gospel of Mark, 
in this way. He's introduced as Jesus came into Galilee preaching the gospel of the kingdom of God. And further to this, he actually commands his followers in Matthew chapter 6, verse 33, to seek first the kingdom of God. And so we see the importance of this subject. It's not just full carrying again and again and again. That's the exact phrase. It occurs in other phrases too. But this is what the Lord Jesus Christ came preaching. And this is what the Lord Jesus Christ commanded his followers to seek. The kingdom of God It's such an important subject then. And yet there's many around us which claim to follow Christ and be Christians. But how many of them really understand what the kingdom of God is? And so it's utmost important for all of us to come to understand this subject. If we really want to understand what the Bible is about, if we want to understand what the Lord Jesus Christ was preaching, we need to come to grips with this subject. And that's why we're just going to spend a few minutes looking at the kingdom of God together. What it is that the Lord Jesus Christ was preaching. And so if you can come with me to that reading we had in Acts chapter 1. The first few books in the New Testament, Matthew, Mark, Luke and John, go through the, the life of the Lord Jesus Christ, how he went around preaching the kingdom of God, but also how he was put to death. And yet after three days, he was raised from the dead. God raised him back to life. And what we find in Acts chapter one is that after being raised back to life, the Lord Jesus Christ showed himself to certain people we see in Acts one verse three. He showed himself by many infallible proofs being seen 40 days. So during this time period of 40 days, the Lord Jesus Christ went around revealing himself as resurrected to certain people and speaking of things pertaining to the kingdom of God. And so throughout when the Lord Jesus Christ was going around teaching people, preaching to people, he was preaching of the kingdom. Now, after his death and resurrection, nothing's changed. He's still going around speaking about the kingdom of God. It's such an important subject. And so this then leads the disciples of the Lord Jesus Christ to, to ask a question, it seems, at the end of these 40 days, when we get to verse 6. His disciples, when they therefore come together, they asked of the Lord Jesus, saying, Lord, will you at this time restore again the kingdom to Israel? And so naturally, for 40 days, they've been hearing of the kingdom of God, and they're waiting for the kingdom of God, they're looking for the kingdom of God, and they ask him, is the kingdom of God here? When is it going to come? At this time now, are you going to restore the kingdom to Israel? They hadn't realized that Jesus was going to die and be raised again. But now they appreciate these things. They're, they're expecting and waiting. Is the kingdom going to happen now? And look at how they describe it. They describe it as, are you going to restore the kingdom to Israel? As we say, the kingdom of God once existed in the past as the kingdom of Israel, in which the Israelite kings were reigning, as it were, on God's throne. God is the true king in heaven, but they were reigning and should have been reigning on his behalf. But sadly, due to sin, due to unfaithfulness, that kingdom was taken away, which is why it no longer exists and didn't exist in the time of the disciples of Christ, who were looking for it to be restored, who were looking for that kingdom of God once more. Well, Christ's reply is that it's, it's not for them to know the times and seasons which the Father has put in his own power. And so verse 7, he tells them that he's not gonna, going to reveal to them the time period. And we see clearly it wasn't then, and nor has it come to pass in the, the past 2,000 years since the disciples asked this question. But 
We believe firmly that it will come to pass, that just as the Lord raised from the dead and went about speaking of these things, surely he will enact these things. The kingdom will come. The kingdom will be restored to Israel. The kingdom of God will be established. And so let's just think a bit more about what this kingdom is going to be like. And the first question is, well, who will be the king over this kingdom? Because we just said that the original kingdom of God came to an end. The reason it came to an end, it was destroyed by the Babylonians. The reason for that, as we said, is the unfaithfulness of the kings. And so if this kingdom's established, what's to stop a whole repeat of history? And the same thing happening again. Well, this king is going to be very different this time. This kingdom is going to be so much better, even than of that old glorious day of Solomon and the great peace and prosperity of his reign. So firstly, then, who is the king? What do we find when we turn to the Bible? Well, you may have heard of the story of David and Goliath, the, the young man who was able to overcome this mighty warrior because he put his faith in God and with a sling stone, he defeated the giants. Well, the same David who overcame through his faith at this occasion also because of his faith, he was blessed by God and he became king. He was Solomon's father. And God reveals something to him. If we can come to First Chronicles chapter 17, God actually made great promises to this man, David, because of his faithfulness. And so First Chronicles 17, we find promises made to King David. And we find these promises are about the kingdom. First Chronicles 17 verse 11 David is told that it shall come to pass when thy days be expired, that thou must go to be with thy fathers. And so David is go when he dies, that I will raise up thy seed or thy descendant after thee, which shall be of thy sons, and I will establish his kingdom. And so David's told that he's going to die, but one of his descendants is going to be taken and his descendants kingdom is going to be established. Verse 12, he shall build me a house, he's going to build a temple, and I will establish his throne forever. I will be his father, and he shall be my son. And I will not take my mercy away from him as I took it from him that was before thee, but I will settle him in my house and in my kingdom forever, and his throne shall be established forevermore. And so David is promised that of his descendants is going to be a man who's going to build a temple, and who's going to sit on his throne, and his kingdom is going to be established. And what we find is this kingdom is the same kingdom that we've been talking of, because we use the Bible to interpret the Bible, and Scripture explains Scripture by comparing passages where we can see what this means. And when we come to Luke chapter 1, to the New Testament, we find it explains what we were just looking at in the Old Testament, why it's so important to read the Old and the New Testament together. Luke chapter 1, here we are before... Jesus Christ has been born, and an angel is sent to Mary. Mary, who is going to be the mother of Jesus, she's going to give birth to him. But before he's even born, Mary is told by an angel of the things that are going to take place. And so she's told in Luke chapter 1, verse 30, the angel says, Fear not, Mary, for thou hast found favour with God. And behold, thou shalt conceive in thy womb and bring forth a son, and shalt call his name Jesus. He shall be great and shall be called the Son of the Highest, and the Lord God shall give unto him the throne of his father David. And he shall reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there shall be no end. 
And so we see the echoes, we see where the angel's referring to. The angel's referring back to 1 Chronicles 17. He's referring back to those promises made to David, that here is the Lord Jesus Christ, who is a descendant of David. We can see this in the genealogies given in Luke 3 or Matthew 1. Here's David's descendant, and here's Jesus Christ. And here's the one that's going to reign as king. Here's the one whose throne is going to be established. Here's the one who is going to be king over the kingdom of God on behalf of his father. And so it's the Lord Jesus Christ who will be the king, the promised king promised so long ago to King David, as we say, like around 3,000 years ago. Well, what sort of king will he be? Well, he's a king that's going to reign in righteousness. For example, there's many promises of this. Jeremiah 23 says, Behold, the days come, saith Yahweh, that I'll raise unto David a righteous branch, and a king shall reign and prosper and shall execute judgment and justice in the earth. In his days, Judah shall be saved and Israel shall dwell safely. And this is his name whereby he shall be called Yahweh our righteousness. And so we see so important is that this king is going to be righteous. How many of the world's leaders today where democracy is so popular when they're trying to be elected, do they talk of righteousness? It's not something we really see. But if you can come back with me to Psalm 72, please, we, we see what this king will be like. Someone who's going to uphold that which is right, who's going to judge and look out for the poor and for the needy. Psalm 72 tells us of the king. <clears throat> now, the caption is, it's, it's for Solomon. And actually, we were thinking about Solomon's kingdom earlier, how glorious it was, how prosperous, how peaceful, the great wisdom that he had. And that was a, a foreshadowing of this, this kingdom that's going to be even better when the Lord Jesus Christ reigns as king. And so Psalm 72 begins by, Give the king thy judgments. And it says in verse 2, he shall judge thy people with righteousness and thy poor with judgment. And that the result of this righteousness, the mountains shall bring peace to the people and the little hills by righteousness. Once you've got righteousness established in the earth, the result of that can be a peaceful kingdom. Once people are brought into unity, you can have true peace. It's going to judge the poor of the people and save the children of the needy in verse 4 and break in pieces the oppressor. He's going to remove the wicked and establish the just. And look out for the poor. In his days, the righteous flourish, verse 7, an abundance of peace so long as the moon endureth. And verse 8, we find out his kingdom, when his kingdom is restored to Israel, when he reigns from Jerusalem on the throne of David, he is not just going to reign over the little country of Israel, but he, he shall have dominion also from sea to sea and from the river unto the ends of the earth. This will be, as it were, a worldwide kingdom that his, his influence will go out across all the earth, that all the earth might learn of righteousness, that all the earth might at last be at peace. And so, verse 13, he shall spare the poor and the needy, he shall save the souls of the needy, he shall redeem their soul from deceit and violence, precious shall their blood be in his sight. What we find is that he's going to look out for the poor, for the needy, he's going to rule in righteousness. And the effect of this is going to be peace and ultimately as it says in verses 18 and 19, blessed be Yahweh God, blessed be his glorious name forever. Let the whole earth be filled with his glory. The result of this kingdom will be the filling of the earth with the glory of God. It's going to be a, a wonderful time of great joy. It's hard to even imagine this great time of righteousness, of truth, of peace, when everyone is united. Well, the big question then is, is how is this going to happen? When we look at the world around us, we see the Lord Jesus Christ is not in the earth. We see that there is lots of wickedness, lots of violence, lots of division. How is this ever going to come to pass? 
Well, firstly, if the kingdom is going to be restored to Israel, it necessitates that there be an Israel. And so this is a remarkable thing in itself, that shortly after the time of the Lord Jesus Christ, the Romans came along, that we had the mighty Roman Empire, the Romans came along and they destroyed the temple, they destroyed Jerusalem, and over a period of years, the Jews were scattered from the land of Israel and scattered over the globe, so there was no more a nation of Israel. And in fact, when Emperor... Um, in AD 135, around that sort of time, the Roman Emperor Hadrian, he kind of renamed Israel and called it Palestine. He tried to rename Jerusalem to Aelia Capitolina. He kind of tried to remove all trace of the Jews. And for coming up to 2,000 years, there was no nation of Israel. The Jewish people had been scattered and under normal circumstances, you'd expect them either to be obliterated slowly or to be assimilated. And yet, despite many efforts of many different people to do this, the great persecution they suffered, God protected them. God kept them safe. The Jewish people never died. They continued to live. And one day God brought them back to their land. A great miracle that needed to happen for the kingdom to be restored to Israel. God looked after his people, the Jews, and he restored them to their land. And you can go to Israel today and you can see that once again there's a nation called Israel. Once again the Jews have a nation. Once again they speak Hebrew, the ancient language revived. And it's an amazing thing that needed to happen. There they are awaiting Jesus to come and to set himself up as their king, to restore that kingdom to Israel. But what this needs then is for Christ to return. And this is exactly what we find if you can come back once more to our reading in Acts chapter 1. We saw that after the Lord Jesus died and rose again, for a period of 40 days he showed himself, he spoke of the kingdom, and that led his disciples to ask, well, when will be this kingdom? And we saw also that he, he didn't tell them when it would be. We don't know when this is going to happen, although there are signs such as Israel being back in, back in the land, the nation once again existing. But what happened is, after these 40 days, we find the Lord Jesus Christ ascended into heaven. So it says in verse 9, when he had spoken these things, while they beheld, he was taken up and a cloud received him out of their sight. And while they looked steadfastly towards heaven, as he went up, Behold, two men stood by them in white apparel, which also said, Ye men of Galilee, why stand ye gazing up into heaven? The same Jesus which is taken from you into heaven shall so come in like manner as ye have seen him go into heaven. And so at the very time which the Lord Jesus Christ ascended up to be with his Father, to be with God, the disciples are told that he's going to come back again. And so the Lord Jesus Christ is going to return to the earth that he might establish himself as king of the Jews, king from Jerusalem over all the earth. And so the Lord Jesus Christ is going to return. But there's, there's one more thing that we need to consider because if we have this hope of being in the kingdom that the Lord Jesus Christ was preaching, of being there in this wonderful time of great prosperity and joy, well, what happens if we die before Christ returns? As we say, we don't know when he's going to return. We don't know when we're going to die. We're such fragile creatures. What if we die today and Christ returns tomorrow? Well, we can still have hope because of the hope of the resurrection. So if you can come first, please, to First Thessalonians chapter 4. We're just going to take a few verses from each of these chapters to show us that one of the first things the Lord Jesus Christ will do when he returns is to raise the dead. He'll raise all those who are responsible to him, all of his servants, that they might be judged. First Thessalonians 4 is a passage which shows us this. He's saying in verse 13, 
how he's writing to the Thessalonians, the believers, and saying he doesn't want them to sorrow as other people in the world sorrow about those who are asleep. Now, when he says asleep, he means dead. Here, there's people who are knowing others that are dying, perhaps through persecution. And yet, they're being encouraged. They don't need to sorrow as other people do because those who have died are actually, in a sense, only asleep. Because the day is coming in which they're going to be raised back up. They'll be awakened, as it were, out of sleep. They'll be given life once again. Because, verse 14, if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, that's what we said, we believe that Jesus died and three days later rose from the dead. If God did it with Jesus, he can do it with us also. Even so them also which sleep in Jesus will God bring with him. So verse 15, this we say unto you by the word of the Lord, that we which are alive and remain unto the coming of the Lord shall not prevent them which are asleep. For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel, with the trump of God, and the dead in Christ shall rise first. Then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in clouds or seized away in clouds with them. And so that the hope clearly is that when Christ returns, he's going to gather to him, not just his followers who are faithful and are still living, but also those who have died, that they shall be taken to be with him. Now just back a few pages and in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, we, we see the same picture. 1 Corinthians 15 is actually often described as the resurrection chapter. It's a big chapter and it's all about resurrection. And it's, it's making the same point that if Christ died and rose again, then there is hope of resurrection. We do have that hope. It says in verse 20, now is Christ risen from the dead and become the first fruits of them that slept. That is to say, he's just the first one. There's going to be others which are going to follow him who also having died are going to be raised up. But, but more than this, when they're raised up, and we haven't got time to go into it, but there's going to be a judgment, and those who are found faithful are going to be given immortal life, so they never die again. And so this is what we see in, in verse 50. This I say, brethren, that flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God. And so those who are going to really inherit this kingdom aren't going to be like we are now, these flesh and blood creatures which are so mortal, so frail, who suffer so much pain and who ultimately die. But we have the hope in the end of verse 51 that we shall be changed. And it says in verse 52, in a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trump, for the trumpet shall sound and the dead shall be raised incorruptible. And we shall be changed. This corruptible must put on incorruption and this mortal must put on immortality. And so the hope is of not just being in the kingdom, but of having an immortal life and being in the kingdom no longer being afflicted by the pain and sickness and all the things of this life, but with immortal strength, living forevermore to have a place in the kingdom, alongside all of the believers, right back to Abraham, Isaac and Jacob, and prior to them, we have this hope of the resurrection of immortality. And then the Lord Jesus Christ, with all of his faithful followers, will go forth to set up the kingdom. And so... As it says in Timothy, if we be dead with Jesus, we shall also live with him. If we suffer, we shall also reign with him. If we want to have a hope of immortal life in the kingdom, it requires now associating our lives with Jesus. It's actually going to mean a life of suffering now because we're not living for the present, but we have this hope of the future. And so please turn to Isaiah 2, which is our final passage. 
which gives us a glimpse of the kingdom. But hopefully what we've seen is that the kingdom of God, that which the Lord Jesus Christ preached, it wasn't some kind of vague hope of ascending into clouds and we're not really sure what's happening, there's babies with harps or something. It's a very real substantial hope. Just as the kingdom of God once existed on this earth 3,000 years ago, it's going to exist again when the Lord Jesus Christ returns. And we can be there with him in immortal strength to go forth and to establish that kingdom, to teach all the earth of God's righteousness, to bring all the earth into unity, to bring a great time of peace and a great time of joy, eternal joy, when God's glory shall fill the earth. And just to finish with a glimpse of this kingdom, Isaiah prophesied of this. He saw this in Isaiah chapter 2. It's the word that Isaiah, the son of Amos, saw concerning Judah and Jerusalem. Verse 2, it shall come to pass in the last days, the mountain of Yahweh's house shall be established in the top of the mountains and shall be exalted above the hills and all nations shall flow into it. When he's talking about God's house here, he's talking about the temple. As we saw, David's descendant will build a temple. There's going to be this temple established to which all the nations are going to come up to. Verse 3 says, many people shall go and say, come ye and let us go up to the mountain of Yahweh, to the house of the God of Jacob, and he will teach us of his ways and we will walk in his paths. For out of Zion shall go forth the law and the word of Yahweh from Jerusalem. And so Christ will reign as king over all the earth and all the nations there will come up to the capital, to Jerusalem, to the temple that will be established and they will learn of the God of Israel. And the result of this, as we say, when we've got righteousness, it's going to lead to peace. Verse 4, he shall judge among the nations and shall rebuke many people and they shall beat their swords into plowshares and their spears into pruning hooks. Their weapons were turning into farming implements. Nations shall not lift up sword against nation, neither shall they learn war any more. O house of Jacob, come ye, and let us walk in the light of Yahweh. We see this wonderful vision of the time in which the earth is united, when they learn about the truth, how we are here, why we're here, how we've been created, why we've been created, and they will have come to be united under one king, and there'll be true righteousness and true peace and no more war. It's a, a wonderful hope that the Bible offers of the kingdom of God being not only re-established, but so much better than it was before. And so if we want to have a part in these things, we can learn more of them by reading together the Bible, by exploring the kingdom of God in the past, the kingdom of Israel, by exploring what God has done in sending his son, and ultimately in his son, we too can have the hope of being there in immortal strength and having a place in the kingdom of God when the kingdom of Israel is restored. Thank you for joining us. We hope you found the episode helpful. Don't forget, most of these episodes are also available as videos on our video channel, cdvideo.org. So head over and take a look. If you have any comments or questions or suggestions, please get in touch or leave us a voice message. We love to hear your feedback. You can email us at bt f at cdvideo.org. If you enjoyed the episode, then please share it with others. Until next time, may God bless you in your studies and your walk towards God's kingdom. Amen.